All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's To the line, Hughes scores! In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation Podcast brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. Use our promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, 
That'll get you $5 off your order. Heck, you can even go to their store in Surrey. Walk through that door. Don't kick it in, I've been told. Walk through that door and just scream hockey season. They'll give you $5 off your order. They're doing it in person as well as online. Uh, and free delivery. Canada-wide. For $50, if you spend that much money, you're getting free delivery. All about Canada. All about Canada. I've asked you this before, the furthest east you've ever been. Harmon Dial joining me here. My name's Chris Faber. What's the furthest north you've ever been in Canada? I don't think much north than uh, not very north at all. Yeah. I I honestly would not know. Hmm. I think mine would be like when I was working at Grand Prairie, we had to do a lot of hot shots. Yeah, up I've been northern Alberta. nowhere near. Would you? Do you have any appetite to travel to to Yukon, one of the territories? To well, like some of my, there's some really nice sites up there. Well, some of my friends want to do a trip at some point for uh, the Northern Lights, mm. sort of like timing it when I guess those are going to be most vibrant, not anytime soon. Uh, it's not my thing, though. To be totally honest, I don't see myself traveling uh, up north. No, okay. Let's bring it I'm up. Go, going out east again in a month. Yeah, true. Going to be going um, to there's a, a metro metro. Uh, festival. It's like it's the lineup was insane. So me and my friends are gonna go to that instead of going to the Stampede. It's like hey. Lil Wayne, Lil Lil Baby, Jack Harlow, Kid Leroy. Hey, you finally get your guys. Jack Harlow concert. You get to go yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I saw him when he came to Rogers yeah, Arena as well. Cancel, but you you had the canceled one too, right? Like he couldn't get to Canada. Was that the thing? I'm trying to the remember. Oh yeah, the first yeah. time. Yeah, I remember that. You were pumped about it. It couldn't happen. Alex Allard, our producer. Alex, what's the furthest north you've been in Canada? Any, any fun stories or no? Because Alex travels all over the place. I don't know about furthest north. It's kind of hard. Crazy. Yeah. Have you? You don't got me beat, Grand Prairie up north there, northern Alberta, paying my dues. No, I've been up there. Okay, I've been up there. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Any appetite for the the territories, Alex? Definitely. I yeah. Definitely want to go. Okay. I've been watching a lot of these. Uh, I've flown over. Yeah. I've I've been watching a lot of these survival shows lately, and they're spending a lot of time in Alaska, and like, I don't know. I, I love these shows. I love these shows where they just get sent out uh, and survive. Like the one that I watch a lot of, it's like the Naked and Afraid. I think it's called. Two people they have to go into the bush just straight naked and, and just meet a new person and live with that person for twenty one days. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it, it, it is. The worst part has to be the mosquito. It's the bugs. Like, bugs all over you. People willingly do that? Do yeah. they get paid a lot? They don't. There's not even a prize for making it at the end. They just do it to do it. Kind of unreal. But wow. it, the worst part is, by day two, top to bottom, red bumps everywhere. That would. Uh, that's the worst. That's my worst nightmare. And the old transition from uh, from surviving in the wild to leftover pizza. I wanted to bring this up. Because you, you say you have the perfect way. Oh, yeah. For for leftover pizza, because I had some leftover pizza today, and I used the the actual pizza mode on the microwave. Like the actual microwave, you know, it's got that pizza. Yeah. Nobody ever used it. Everybody, 30 seconds, blah, 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 boom, you're on. I used the pizza mode. The pe- it, it came out better. came out way better than just microwave. But you say you got the, the best way possible. Air fryer. Air, yeah. I Nothing mean, tops an air fryer. You're right. The way it revitalizes the pizza. Uh, with microwave, microwave's not bad, but you know how quickly it gets cold and it's just soggy. It's it's not quite the same. With uh, with air fryer, that's the closest thing you'll get to that same fresh feeling. Hmm. It's a good touch. I just, I don't know. Do, do, would the air fryer dry it out just a little bit too much? I feel like it brings the cheese back to perfect. Yeah, you get the perfect cheese, 
But it might I've loved it. Right? To me, it's miles better than uh, than microwave. Yeah. For a minute at uh, 350 degrees Fahrenheit, you're cooking. Yeah. Hey, it only takes a minute, too. Those air fryers are, are something special. Let's uh, let's get into the Canucks. Lots to get into. You air fry a bagel. Oh, yeah. I've done that. You even you half air fry, then you put the cream cheese on, finish the air fry. Boom. A little bit of warmed up cream cheese. All right. Vancouver Canucks. We'll start with Vancouver. We are going to spend some time talking about the Abbotsford Canucks today as well. We got Brandon Assel joining us at about 1.15. Excited to get him on the play-by-play voice of the Abbotsford Canucks. They got game two tonight out in Abbotsford, a chance to beat the Bakersfield Condors and uh, sweep this series, just like the Condors did last year, to the Abbotsford Canucks. But I want to spend some time on the Vancouver Canucks here because I haven't had a chance to sit down with you since the end-of-season availabilities. I don't think we're going to rehash all of the quotes and what was said. I think we we get the vibe, we get the feeling from the organization about how this offseason is going to start to move. We at least had a couple of our questions answered. Now we've had some time to process it. So I want to get into what we expect and what we want, because these are two very different things. This, you know, you can hope for something to happen to the Vancouver Canucks. We can expect other things to happen. So I wrote down three of each, and I'll kind of start. And we'll just kind of bounce back and yep. forth. I'm sure we have some similar ones. I'm sure we have some different ones. We'll start with what do we expect to see happen this, this offseason for the Vancouver Canucks. The first one I'll bring up, I expect to see one trade involving either Brock Besser, Tyler Myers, or Connor Garland. I think I yeah. do expect that, and it's something that I guess I could want as well because this one kind of fits into both for me. But I do expect them to be able to get one of these guys traded for something, whether it's a decent return coming back or whether it's not having to give too much to sweeten the deal. I expect one of those players to get traded. Yeah. And I'll tell you the difference in terms of the difference between what I want and what I expect to where, to take it a step further, I, I was sort of, I didn't even include Myers just because I think that's a bit more of a complicated situation. Obviously, you're going to try your best, but with this buyout, uh, payout, Day being September fifteenth, that's such an odd time to to swing a deal. And by that point, even if you do carve some extra cap space, what are you going to do with cap space on September fifteenth? So it's not an easy sort of thing to do. I was looking at it as, all right, one of Besser Garland probably traded, but here's the difference. I would have, in an ideal world, I would have liked to sort of make a trade without taking significant salary back, sure. even if there's you know not really much of a return there. What I expect, however, is a winger market that's probably similar to last year. Or if you remember last offseason, we had a bunch of high-end wingers that we did not expect to hit the market. And that really affected things where Matthew Kachuk all of a sudden wants out. Kevin Fiala, Wild are in in a cap crunch and they have to ship him out. Mm -hmm. Columbus has to unexpectedly move all of your all of our Bjork's friend out. Chicago decides to move Alex to Brinkett. Like all of these star level wingers, Bjork's friend's not a star level winger, but you know what I mean. He the scored twenty eight goals last year. You can make a serious argument are way better caliber players than Brock Vester and Connor Garland. Exactly. The rest so of those guys, yeah. So the problem is teams when they're up against a cap, the first thing they look at is all right, we've got to shed money, like the Canucks, mm-hmm. exactly like the Canucks. They go okay, if we need to shed salary somewhere. Let's shed a winger. So if you do that, it creates a buyer's market and right. it makes it more difficult. So what I'm expecting is that if you move one of those guys, it may be closer to a dollar in, dollar out deal. And you just have to hope that whatever player you take back, maybe that player's a defenseman. 
right? A number four or five defenseman. Probably sort of overpaid because you're going to probably have to take slightly somebody. overpaid, yeah. similar to sort of Besser or or like a Garland. We look at look at it and go, that's a good player. He's probably a little bit rich, uh, and maybe it's a shorter term deal. That's a benefit you get, but more so you're looking to reallocate the money more so rather than clear it. Because again, in that ideal world, I'd love to just clear the salary out. But the more I'm thinking about it, it may be more realistic to reallocate it and have a defenseman. Maybe it's your left shot top top for defenseman, your guy to play with uh, Philip Peronik, so then OEL can bump down to a third pair. That's that's interesting to me because the player being traded back here is not going to be one that you should be, that I think you have like a chance to really even be excited about. Because the other team is literally moving that player out for a high-priced winger, who we just talked about the winger market. It just feels like that player is, is also... It, it, you're probably getting a lower, a much lower quality player than Brock Besser does to your lineup for a team, but it's like another team can, you know, is willing to upgrade their winger depth by giving up one of their, I think, five six defenders. I mean, That's maybe the way I can see it happening. Like, maybe or, or maybe not. Right? Um, one sort of possibility that I was floating through with Drancer was, and this is just purely hypothetical. I mean, I don't even know if, if Winnipeg feels this way, mm-hmm. but the Jets, for example, have a lot of these like number four or five type defensemen. And they could use some sort of scoring on the wings. So it's like, what if you create some sort of deal around a player like Brendan Dillon, who's a sort of physical, sort of um, stay-at-home type defenseman? And um, and is Dillon a world beater? Is he a high-end top four defenseman? No. But is he a competent second pair guy? Is he going to check off a lot of the boxes the Canucks need in terms of physical guy who can kill penalties and is a better stylistic fit for what the Canucks need? Yeah, potentially. And his contract expires at the end of next season. So it's like, in that sort of way, you'd get the long term benefit of of okay that that like after next season you'd you'd have all that money available to do whatever you'd want with it, mm-hmm. and in the short term you're able to, you know, potentially. If you believe that the Canucks need need sort of, if you look at that sort of player and go, okay, he can play top four minutes for us, then he may be a better fit for what this Canucks in the lineup needs. So that's the sort of thing, and I'm not talking about oh they should do that specifically. I'm just sort of, you know, those are the types of things that um, you know when Drancer and I were just casually talking about uh, the Canucks' winger situation and, and what can they do and sort of different trade possibilities. Like that was the type of thing that came to mind as like a okay, if you're not able to outright clear the salary out, which would be the ideal case, yeah. uh, what are some plan B, plan C type uh, scenarios? Yeah, and you gain a little bit of money there for your cap kind of moving forward. Maybe that helps you with a third line center or something else you want to upgrade. But I think that's the thing that will be interesting is that scenario and the way that you talked about it, it has to be a winger. It has to be Garland. It has to be Besser. Lavillier maybe if somebody yeah. wants to take a swing on that. I just I find it difficult, and it's going to be interesting because I, I thought last year's winger market was like the pendulum swung incredibly hard to one side of making the value so low. I don't know if it's going to swing that hard again this offseason. Like, I think it's going to be there. Like, winger's value on the trade market, free agency, all that, it's going to be lower. But with like a, a little bit of like a weaker free agency class this year, there's not really a guy who's going to come in and you're like, for sure he's going to make an impact on day one of your lineup and be a top six guy moving forward. There's not many of those in free agency. Not every team's going to be able to pick up one. So I wonder if there is a little bit more of a market for wingers this year because of that. And maybe just with the cap and, and kind of knowing that it is coming up in the next couple of years. I wonder if there's a little bit more value for, for a player like Brock Besser or for Connor Garland to get another start somewhere. Maybe you'd hope. Yeah. I, I just always, I feel like as a front office, you need to 
sort of prepare as if you won't get the ideal scenario. Yeah. And like in, in a sort of way where it's like, for example, when um, when people invest in stocks, right, and they're trying to project out what a company's earnings are going to be and whether this is a good investment or not, mm. when they're projecting a company's future earnings, they'll take a more conservative approach in terms of and, and sort of looking at it as, okay, if, if we don't get the best scenario earnings from this company, is this still a good investment? And so it's like you're planning in a way where you don't expect expect things to perfectly go your way because the alternative is you expect everything to go your way and you're you're left unprepared if if they don't right and you think back to for example um last off season the the canucks's front office was going in with this mindset of hey we think it's going to be pretty easy to easy to clear cap space and what happened they ended up in a spot where they were like they re-signed besser and they committed to mikhaev they had too much money tied up on the wings and so they had no money left over to upgrade the back end and they missed out on an opportunity like a John Marino, right? Top four, um, right shot defenseman who was 24-25 and he cost you basically nothing. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say basically nothing. It was... Um, compared I mean, to what Smith, they just paid for a right what, shot defenseman. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like they missed out on those types of opportunities because they um, were a little bit more um, optimistic in what they thought they could get done yeah. in terms of shedding contracts out. And I think this is the difference too my big takeaway from that press conference was they seemed a lot more pragmatic and a lot more realistic about like, I think they understood it's going to be difficult to move money. So for example, when they were mentioning the backup position, they're like probably not going to be able to find a better backup. Yep. Pretty Um, honest about that. That when it came to the blue line, for example, they weren't talking about, Oh, we need to like, we were, we're expecting to go out and find a legit stud. It's like it clearly, they felt like, um, they started talking about all the internal options and overall the vibe of the press conference when they were asked about roster needs, they didn't list off like three different things. They just kind of listed off one in terms of the third line center position. They seemed pretty conservative in what they felt they could get done this summer, which I think is is actually better preparation because look, if things unfold in the market more favorably than you expected, that's that's better. That's always easy to react to. You can always... You just yeah. don't want it in the reverse where it's like you're expecting to be able to do A, B, C, D, and E, and you can only do A and B. I think it, it is interesting to me too as well of like that also sounds just like the opposite of kind of having flexibility. Like at the point, they they weren't flexible enough to be able to move for John Marino. They weren't flexible enough yeah. to take advantage when a situation presents itself. And where the Canucks are at and the way that the season gone has gone, God, man, they should be flexible. They should be able to have a flexible roster. Like you, you should be in a point where you're not competing for the playoffs. That's the one thing you should have. Every non-playoff team should have, you know, unless you barely missed and you were kind of going all in or you just won a cup and you have all this extra money, like you should get yourself to the point of being flexible and then build from there. And I think that's what's been difficult for the Canucks is because of OEL, because of the JT Miller money coming in, all these things you didn't ever have flexibility to start with a retool. And I think that's what makes a retool extremely difficult is if you don't have the flexibility to take advantage of other teams, you're hooped, man. Cause you already have things that are holding you back and you have to kind of build off of what you already have in the organization. And for the Canucks, that's unfortunate because it's Tyler Myers making 6 million. It's, you know, Brock Besser making six and a half. It's OEL at seven. Like flexibility has to be the major key for a retool. I think on how to be successful in retail because like you said you take advantage of these things yeah it's it's definitely not an ideal circumstance to be operating from to um 
to to not have a lot of flexibility um, for sure. I, I I just the only point I wanted to bring up was I'm glad they're at least realistic about. Yeah, they were. Let's not have Give like we there. probably don't have a lot of flexibility because, man, it was. Um, I I think part of the problem that they ran into last off season was they overestimated their flexibility big time, and I think that sort of. They then started spending on wingers before they spent on defensemen. Here's the thing, too. Like, this wasn't just the Canucks. This happened around the NHL. Yeah. This this isn't just Vancouver. Oh, and yeah. We're not ripping on the fact. This this happened around the NHL with the cap not going up, with, you know, the, the market just being such a, a wild one at the draft. And then it felt like after the draft, everybody was pretty locked into what their rosters was. So after yeah. the draft, there wasn't really a lot of movement that it felt like major. So you might have to get, you might have learned a lesson if you're the Vancouver Canucks management. It's like, hey, we got to get involved at the draft. That's when everyone's getting a little antsy to make a move. It's not really, you know, at uh, at free agency or as the season's approaching or any time in the offseason. Like, they got to get busy on the draft floor. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Do you have another, do you want to get to one of the other things that you expect to happen? Yeah, so... I'm not sure how aggressive they're going to be in in pursuing this, but they obviously highlighted the marquee, um, or not not even marquee, but just in general uh, for trying to find a third line center. That definitely seems like they're going to go after you know a marquee sort of player there. That just worries me a little bit. In the contrast, in terms of what I'd like to see, is I agree that third line center is. A need and you need to you you need an upgrade there. I would just be cautious about making an expensive long term commitment to that three uh, C position because first of all, I don't think there are a lot of attractive options on uh, the free agent market. For example, you look at a player like Ivan Barbashev. He's played a significant chunk of his time previously in St. Louis on the wing. Yep. He's been playing in the wing in Vegas, and he's a forty two percent face off man. Yeah, like, is that, I've been like, saying is he's that, not a wing. He's not a center. He's a winger. So it's it's him. It's then you look at Eric Hall, right? He's had back to back sort of forty ish point seasons. He's mm-hmm. actually decent on faceoffs. Um, obviously having a good year in New Jersey, but he's thirty two. Like he's going to be looking for that last contract with term on it. I wouldn't mind. Like, look, a player like that, I'd love him as a stopgap. But if he wants term, I don't want to give a thirty two. 32-year-old term. Uh, I think w- where the Canucks would be, would be better off is swinging on a bunch of bargain-type options because... Here's t- my question with that. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a problem with them being 30-plus years old when you're swinging on bargain options? Because you're not finding the answer. Term. It just depends on term, term, right? Yeah. Because a player like Nick Bukestad, for example... Yeah, great example. I, I like him a lot, and I don't... Like, I mean, maybe he'll be able to command term. I don't expect he will. And if you're looking at a one or two year commitment, like, I don't care that he's over 30 as long as it's a short term commitment. Like, that's the key is I don't want to be paying a 30 plus year old for three, four, five years. Uh, I have no problem if I'm paying him for one or two years, but that's the sort of discrepancy. And that's where finding a bargain option, I think, is going to sort of be the key. And look, teams have done this in the past. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, two, not this this past offseason, but the offseason before. A player like David Camp, uh, out of Chicago, nobody sort of, there was no fanfare around him. Signed him for $1.5 million for two years. And he's been excellent in a shutdown role for them. He brings basically no offense to the table. But I was doing an exercise, national piece, on the league's best shutdown centers in terms of um, impact on suppressing shots, expected goals, actual goals. Camp was top 20 in the NHL, and they found him. Like, this was a no-name guy. Yeah. 
And you look at Minnesota, Freddie Goudreau. He hadn't even established himself as a full-time sort of NHL player. He was sort of like a quad A bouncing up and down. He looked decent in Pittsburgh. There were some underlying signs that, okay, this this guy may be ready to, to take on um, a more substantial role. Minnesota signed him for such a bargain rate. Like, again, I'm talking like below $2 million must be. I'm actually curious to see what it is now. He just signed a ex- long-term extension now, but they signed him. And he, he, for long stretches in his first season in Minnesota, was centering the second line with um you know Freddie with um sorry with uh, Kevin Fiala and uh, Matt Boldy and again you don't want a guy like that as a second line center but he was able to step in and he's been but he's playing there such, at one point two million dollars he's been such great value for center them. yeah value is huge right now and you yeah you brought it up it was one point two the cap hit for this year and last year and this next contract five years get this total money ten point five million so he's making two point one. Yeah, the because they, they have confidence in him as a middle six center, right? So you can, f- like, I, I feel like you can find these, like, third line center types. And the other reason I'm sort of want them to be careful about the term and the money you commit is for because sure. he's not going to be ready for next season. I, I'd sort of, I don't, I don't think he will be, but Atu Atu, at, at some point he's going to come in. And if, and if the organization is confident that he can be a middle six center for you, then one of the advantage, like the biggest advantage of having a young productive player is that he can fill that role for a fraction of the cost of what it would take for you to acquire that guy from the trade or free agency market. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to end up in a scenario where let's say in, in two years, Ratu's ready and he could be your third line center, but you are, you're already paying a guy, you know, let's say two and a half, three million. What do you do with them? Um, like, what do you do with them? Like, yeah. that guy's not worth much to you anymore. No. That'll be interesting with some of these guys who are the free agents. Like, you brought up Bugstad. I think you said Derek Stepan as well. He's another one that you could kind of throw in the mix. He's got crazy good defensive numbers this season in the role that he's playing with Carolina. Uh, and Nola Chari is another one who I thought he's put up very strong numbers. He's 54% in the faceoff dot uh, this season. Another option that you actually have. I don't think these guys are coming in over $2 million. I don't think Bukestad, yeah. Achari, Stepan, like you're not paying these guys no. more than two, and you're probably not giving them more than two years. I, I like the idea of a 31, 32, 33-year-old guy even being the third-line center, yeah, but I just don't being mind defensively it. just responsible. It's the term you have to worry about. I think it's good for the room to have one of these guys in here. I think yeah. Derek Stepan, a guy who's been around the NHL, would be excellent for this Canucks room. And he'd be probably good in the third line position. I know he's a, he's a fourth line center for, for Carolina right now. That's a really good team. He fits their system extremely well as well. He's only playing like 10 minutes a night. So maybe Nick Bugstad, who started killing penalties this year, was he 12 years into his career or 10 years into his career? He just started killing penalties. Six foot six. I like Bugstad. I, I think he might be the one that might be over $2 million because yeah. he scored a little bit. He plays minutes. Like I said, he added penalty killing to his game. But he was with the Arizona Coyotes last year. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's bumped his way up to making $3 million. He could still be in the one somewhere, and that would be a great little ad for the 3C. And the reason I'd want to go cheap on 3C, and maybe you like you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. You for can sure. sort of like take a flyer on a couple of these sorts of guys. The reason I would go cheap there is because then I want to use that precious cap space yes. on adding a left side top four defenseman behind Quinn Hughes. So that would be interesting. And we have, we have a question that I wanted to get to. Matt asked, uh, instead of trading a wing with money for a D with money, what are the odds they acquire a 3C with money? That's possible, in too. In the wing, too. That's possible, too. 100%. Yeah. That, that uh, feels like a, a draft thing, right? That would happen yeah. at the draft, I think. Equal, equal, same logic applies. Because, I mean, both of those areas, in terms of 3C or sort of 
top four LD are, are needs. Yeah. Um, I think if you're looking at it in terms of what would be, what would you, I mean, I'm curious to get your input. If I could only solve one of those needs, I would want the top four, top four D, but you like, if you're looking at it from the trade perspective with Besser or Garland, yeah, hundred percent, I'd be just as open to if it's uh, a center. Presuming the money for that center comes off the books sooner rather than later, like it's only a one or two year thing. All right, uh, I just looked at the time, and I am very sorry to Brandon Assel that we just got into this long discussion about three C. Uh, let's get to our guest here. I hope he's still on the line. But Harm, you were on a rant there, and I couldn't stop you. Brandon's joining us now. Play by play voice of the Abbotsford Canucks, and he got one of those towels behind him. I wanted to sneak one of those home uh, on the game on Wednesday. Brandon, how was Wednesday for you to experience from the play-by-play booth? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It was awesome. Uh, we've seen some uh, solid crowds uh, at, uh, many times this year, but uh, Wednesday was a different level. I mean, I got chills when that kid was out at center before the team came out and he put the stick or the towel on the stick like Roger Nielsen. Yeah. And it was all dark in the crowd and there's a spotlight on him. I literally got ch- uh, chills <laughs> looking at that. And then just seeing just like the fans waving around before they came out. I'm getting chills in my leg right now. Just thinking about <laughs> towel power. So it, it, um, was... It, it was a great atmosphere and uh, just glad that um, the boys were able to, to pull off a big win. Most definitely. I think the atmosphere was my biggest takeaway. It was playoff hockey. We see it on TV every night on Sports Center or whatever it may be. You can see the highlights. You see the crowds. You got to experience it out in Abbotsford. If you were out there at the Abbotsford Center, you got to experience, like you said, the towels, everything. It just, I, I loved the atmosphere out here on Wednesday. I expect it to be even better tonight out on Friday. And with a chance to win this series, what do you think this Abbotsford team is going to do in the opening here? Because it felt like last, on Wednesday there, that first period wasn't great hockey. That was a, a very much feeling out the playoff atmosphere. I'm expecting it to be a lot different here on Friday. What do you expect tonight from Abbotsford as they come out and look to put this, you know, put this thing to sleep and do what Bakersfield did to them last year? Yeah, that first period, Faber, you're right, was a little bit sleepy to say the least. I guess it was like a feeling out process, like a heavyweight bout, seeing who's going to flinch mm. first. Um, and coach Colton said, like one of the big messages he's been preaching all week is to manage your emotions. 
And when you step out on that ice, sometimes you can be a little too ramped up mm. and then you're not playing your game. Next thing you know, you're maybe playing behind the eight ball. So um, that disallowed goal early on in the first period, I think went a long way that the, the entire team and the fans can take a little bit of a breath and, and kind of reset. Um, and tonight's going to be even more loud. Uh, I'm hearing the word sellout. Yep. Uh, don't quote me on it, but it's <laughs> trending in that direction. If you want to get tickets to the door, you may be SOL. Um, so it's going to be an unreal uh, crowd again tonight. And um, I'm sure they'll, they'll feed off it uh, just like they did on Wednesday. Brandon, I wanted to ask you about Spencer Martin in game one. He didn't get a ton of action just because Abbotsford defended so well and, and sort of made things easier on him. But still putting up a, a shutout, he looked sharp. Rebound control was um, was awesome to see. What's it been like to see his game at like since since he was sent down? Has he been able to sort of really rebuild the confidence? And and what are you seeing out uh, out of him uh, out of him these days? Well, here's the thing, Harm. I've asked him a couple of times now about his confidence, and he said he never lost it when he got sent down, which kind of surprised me because when you get assigned to AHL, that's a tough pill to swallow, and you can kind of just get the all bent out of shape. But he said he never lost his confidence. He just kind of got some bad breaks. Um, and coming down and joining Abbotsford was a, a chance for him to kind of reset, be in an atmosphere that he was used to last year when he had an unbelievable season earning that NHL contract. Um, and being around someone like Marco Terranius, this guy is the team's secret weapon, uh, the goaltending coach. Look at the job he's done with Delia, who finished up in Vancouver. Seelovs has taken a massive jump in his development. And then Martin is rebuilt again. Uh, he's an NHL goaltender right now, playing at an elite level. And I, I was listening to Kevin Woodley, um, and he had made some great points uh, on the radio that he's looking a lot less busy in the crease, uh, which can kind of settle a goaltender tenor down. He, he's seeing the ice seeing the puck. It's almost like a beach ball right now. And a lot of credit is to the defense and forwards doing a good job in front of him. He will admit that himself. But right now, he's he's just on top of his game. Um, he's really like a, a calming presence back there when things maybe get a bit frantic. We saw it a couple times, Faber. Uh, in, in game one, there's some solid zone time from Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. They're trying to throw pucks on net, and he just kind of steer them into the corner, making sure that a teammate can pick it up. And uh, he's just been uh, awesome since joining the team, and all the credit to him. Yeah, you be careful because that saying Woodley on this show is like saying Voldemort. You can't, that doesn't fly here. We don't do that goalie stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm curious because of the goaltending situation, they go with the veteran, and we talked about it on yesterday's show. There's still development in Spencer Martin's game. He needs to develop back into being an NHL goaltender. I, th I think they probably have expectations for him to back up at the NHL level. But hey, if things slip at all, you got the team MVP potentially coming in after an Archer Seelovs. How good are you? thinking this team is feeling right now about their goaltending and just having two guys that, hey, as soon as there's a slip, the other guy is probably chomping out of the bit. I mean, Carlton said it on, on Wednesday. He, he, he's saying, like, this isn't the best situation for these guys, but it's getting the best out of them because they're both playing in a little bit of a competition here. Exactly, yeah. And we'll, we'll hear from Spencer on the broadcast tonight. I talked to him after Wednesday. And uh, he, he's not sure if he's going to get the start. He doesn't know the program or the schedule. Hmm. Um, he's obviously said he's in a competition, but it's a friendly competition. Him and Arthur's have a lot of respect for each other. Um, and I went to bed last night thinking C-Lobs is going to start um, just because they've been alternating goaltenders since early March. The last time one of the two started consecutive games was March 4th and 7th. Wow. After that, it's just been an open door, one after another. And for good reason, because... They haven't given Coach Carlton a reason to start one guy more than the other. Like, it's just been like the same level of elite goaltending game after game for the last, like, five, six weeks now. 
And I expected Martin to get the game one start because Seelaw's played on Saturday against Calgary. Yeah, there you go. And sure enough, Martin gets in there, gets the shutout. And I was thinking no matter what, Seelaw's is probably going to start tonight. But after digging more into it, uh, my gut's telling me I'm not going to take it to the bank, but I'm going to write the check that Spencer Martin is starting tonight um, and maybe cash it around warm-up. We'll see. But I don't know. I don't know how you can't start Martin. He's only allowed 11 goals in his last eight starts. Like, that is pretty, pretty tidy. So, at the end of the day, you're right, Faber. If it is Seelovs, I don't think the team cares. They can throw in anyone they want. They have confidence in both of them. One of the other standout players from from game one was just watching Christian Wallander break the puck out Um, and seeing him absolutely crush uh, four checkers, leave him in the dust. Um, it's it's actually kind of jarring to see the um, like how much he stands out relative to other defensemen and other players uh, at the AHL level. Uh, has it been that way the entire season? Obviously, he was I think recognized for AHL Defenseman of the Year, so definitely seems that way. And how confident are you that, for example, we we got to saw him for a little bit here in Vancouver, and and he acclimated himself really well. Um, how confident are you that he can be the real deal? even at the NHL level moving forward, just based off of um, how much better he's been than the rest of the competition um, in the AHL. I'm glad you brought that up, Harm, because before game one, like him and Juleson were coming in, they haven't played in almost about a month, right? And they got to ramp back up into a playoff-style atmosphere. That's got to be tough, even for a seasoned professional. And after the game, I was sitting in my car, I'm like, what Will Lannon did wasn't like something you'll jump off the stat page, but... He made it look so easy back there. And that was his first game in almost a month. Hmm. It's just, I just marvel at his brain and the way it operates. Cause just when it looks like he's in trouble, he's just going to saw someone across the ice. That was deep partners wide open. I didn't see that. Wait, there's someone at center, a little stretch pass behind the defense. It's always just on the money. And it's his hockey IQ that separates him from the rest. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most physical, but what wins the battle is up here. And he has that factor that not a lot of guys have. Um, obviously, his playmaking ability ability is elite as well. I remember at one point in the game, I was thinking, oh, well, Lana hasn't gotten his assist yet. Sure enough, he sets up Rathbone on the power play goal, just sends it over. Easy little pass, primary assist. So um, I, I honestly think his days in this league are numbered. He's an NHL-style defenseman, and I can see him with the right opportunity putting up 50 points in the NHL. He is that good, and I can't wait to see him put on another clinic tonight. He's just like, take it to the bank, reliable, plays a ton, digs in the corners, and the best thing about Will Annan is that he makes his partners and teammates around him better. That's exactly it. I mean, you see the assists on the power play. You see everything he does. He played with uh, Zach Jatari uh, on the second pairing. The first pairing was Jet Wu on the left side. And yes, people, Jet Wu is playing the left side. He's been doing it for a while now. Uh, Noah Juleson was on the right side with Wu. The third pairing of Rathbone and Keeper. Do you expect to see any changes? Because I, I know a lot of people are asking. Philip Johansson, he got here on Sundays out of practice. But we know that you know RJ and Carlton have both been on the same page here of saying, hey, we want to get playing in the playoffs with the guys that got us here a little bit too. So you got Phil Johansson. Do you expect to see him tonight, Brandon? I thought he was going to get in on Wednesday. It just sounded like he was going to play. Mm-hmm. And then when the rosters came out, he wasn't on there. I was a bit surprised. But at the end of the day, he, he got here from Sweden over the weekend. He's only had a couple of skates with the team. Um, I even asked Jeremy uh, about if he's going to play on Wednesday. He kind of kept it coy. Um, Johansson has already been playing playoff hockey, as you know, coming from Sweden. He's been through a couple rounds, so he's probably going to be able to pick up right where he left it off. But at the end of the day, it's a different style game. It's a, a smaller ice surface. 
and the AHL playoffs are a different beast compared to what he was playing in in Sweden. Um, but he seems like a guy that can can jump right in. I don't know if he's going to play tonight just because it's a short series. Do you really want to tinker with your lineup? Yeah. That's why I'm leaning with Martin going again tonight. Um, if things, for whatever reason, don't go well tonight, I could see some changes being made um, in game number three, if that's the case. Um, if they advance to the next round, I would definitely, definitely be confident that he'd be playing. But you're looking at someone like Alex Kanek, Leaper favorite. This guy has hey. proved he's an AHL defense in these last few months, man. And I, I felt so bad for him being the odd man out. I'm sure it was a tough decision for Coach Colleton to sit him because he's one of the more popular guys in the locker room. And obviously, we've seen him with the fights and the physical element he brings. This playoff style intensity is something right up his alley. So I'm not sure if Canik Leeper will be the next guy to go in. He's also right-handed shots. So uh, I'm not envious of Coach Colleton and his staff right now trying to do up their lineup card tonight. Uh, one of the other players I wanted to ask you about was Nils Hoaglander. He looks so dynamic, so electric in game one. Uh, what have you noticed just in general since he was sent down to Abbotsford about his game and how he's developed? Um, I, I heard Thomas Drance on Donnie and Dolly today. Can I say that name too, Dick Faber? Uh, Drance um, is a 50-50, uh, whatever. Your carpool, buddy. <laughs> um, he was on Donnie and Dolly. He said it perfectly. He's an NHL or playing in the American League right now. Um, he was the best player on the ice Wednesday. He's been the best player on the ice for the last few weeks. He's led the team in points since January 1st. And the thing that uh, I've marveled about him, just like Spencer, is that he's come in and he's bought in. Uh, talking to Ryan Johnson uh, last week, that's exactly what he said. Niels has bought in, and you can tell with his play on the ice. He's taking care of his own end first, which is leading to chances the other way. And just look at the goal he scored Wednesday night. Nice little play through the neutral zone, little, nice little bink through the uh, neutral zone around the defender. Took it hard to the net, followed up his rebound, and he's just been uh, kind of dragging the team into the fight like he did uh, on Wednesday night. So it's just the overall confidence. Whenever he steps on the ice, he's the most skilled guy. Um, he's he's got a low center of gravity. He's tough to knock off the puck, and you can just tell like when when he has it, he has it. Like that puck is dancing on a stick. The saucer pass he threw across to Rao on that second goal was just like a little flick of the wrist, no big deal, across the ice. And then Rao sent it right back to the same side to Sasson who buried it. So it's just little plays like that um, that you just shake your head about Hopelander. Um, he's, he's just come down and done a, done a great job. And I think in a couple of years, if he's not doing it already, he's going to look back and be like, man, that time I had in Abbotsford did wonders for my development. Yeah, I'd have to agree big time on that. Brandon, I think we'll let you go on that. You got a lot of screaming to do tonight, I think. Uh, the way you do it, <laughs> the way you have a goal call, I'm hoping for five or six tonight, and I hope uh, you can barely speak by the end of this. So, uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining us here. Have a great call tonight. Uh, and you guys are on 650 now. Is that what I understand? You can catch the radio yeah, we'll broadcast there. Yeah, we'll be on 650 there. again tonight, and uh, apparently going forward as well. So that's great. And obviously not everyone's going to be able to get in the building tonight. If it's going to be a sellout, so feel free to tune in on 650, watch a game in NHL TV or online through the Mixlr page. Awesome. Love it, Brandon. Appreciate you uh, joining the show here, and I apologize for harm ranting and ranting before we got you on here. I, you know, well, it's actually your fault. You didn't tell me. I figured you'd tell me when uh, when Brandon's ready. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, it, it, you're you hosting. Know, you're I, disagree to this. I was dialed in. No worries, boy. <laughs> I know. We could have just kept Brandon on for the 3C conversation. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Appreciate uh, your time. Have a great call tonight, man. Enjoy the game. Thanks, See you out there. There Thanks, he is. Boys, appreciate it. You betcha. Brandon Assel joining us here on the show. Play-by-play voice of the Abbotsford Canucks. That's a great job. You've heard so his, some of his calls yeah. that get out there. Hey, yeah. Brandon likes to put some Also, you're steering the conversation, hey, man. That's, that's your responsibility. Yeah, that's the not, host is how supposed... How am I supposed to know? 
I, I, I can barely understand this the, this technology. I don't even okay. know. So, Well, the host is supposed to you know keep things on track, yeah. but my job on this program is to push blame everywhere else. I, it's either Alex's fault, it's your fault. Well, it's you're Claude's doing fault. everything, so I, I can understand hey, why. It is. Oh, that's the thing. If somebody helped with the outline here once in a while, you know, you actually helped with the outline last night. I'd say all the time. You've done more work for the outlines this year than Quads has Let's all year long. All right. What do you want from the Canucks offseason? We'll get back to this a little bit here because I wanted to continue this conversation. I I have three things. I'm just going to bang them all out. And Let's then go. we'll just quickly react off them because we don't have much time here. Here's what I want from the offseason. Use the first round pick to draft David Reinbacker. Draft him at 11. He's a right shot defenseman. Develop him into Quinn Hughes' partner. If not, if he's not there, if he's picked in the top 10, trade down. Get yourself another second-round pick. This draft is very similar from 10 to 35. If you like a player, you can get him at 20 somewhere. The last one uh, that I want, eight-year deal for Pedersen, honestly, a blank check. Whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. I don't care if he wants $12 million, Give him $12 million. So those are my three things that I want from the offseason. Do you have anything that you yeah. want that maybe you don't expect? Hmm. it's a good question. I didn't necessarily thought about it that way. Here's the thing. I, I'm just, for me, what I, how, how do I fr- phrase this? There isn't anything right now that sort of stands out, honestly, in terms of, you know, like originally I might have said, oh, if they buy out o- o- OEL, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it, well, we're expecting that and I don't want that because it's going to create harm down, down the line, but they've said they're not going to use buyouts or that they at least don't intend to at this moment. So... Like, that's good. That's honestly the first thing I would have looked at and gone, Okay. like, okay, yeah, that would give you significant cap space for next season, but man, that's going to that's gonna hurt you a lot yeah. down the line when you're actually supposed to be not just a team that can, that can hopefully squeak into the playoffs, but a team that can actually do significant damage once you get there. So, they're, honestly, coming out of the press conference, there weren't major red flags that... that sort of stuck out to me as, as like, a, oh, I'm hearing that, and oof, that concerns me. Mm-hmm. Because, honestly, the wheels were really set in motion for, for the trajectory they're going in the offseason based off what they did at the trade deadline, right? Like, re-signing Kuzmenko, the big splash for a defenseman in Philip Peronik, right, right side guy. Like, they've, they, they've committed to this sort of, we, we want to be we want to be good next season or at least sort of be competitive for the playoffs next season direction. And that's honestly like we got all of that like skepticism and Ooh, should they be going down this path? Should they, should they be taking more of a longer term view? We got all of that out. I feel like at the trade deadline. And I feel like I'm now at a situation where it's like, all right, I'm accepting what direction they've chosen. Here's the thing that's great about that. We don't necessarily have a plan, but for the first time in a long time, you do feel the direction of the team. Yeah. Right, the uh, direction maybe before you could feel the direction of like, hey, we're going all in to make the playoffs. But we're all like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you guys are there yet. With this one, it's like, hey, we're we're pushing in, we're retooling. They still might take another year to really kind of fl- you know flush out the roster here, but at least you get the direction they're going. And I think you can get on board with, okay, I understand why they're doing this. Before yeah. there was a lot of question like, I don't know why they're doing this. Why are they trading for Oliver Ekman Larson? Why are they giving away their first-round pick here? What are they doing with their first-round pick for JT Miller? All those are very what, what, what. And I guess some of the things you could say, like the Hronik thing, like what are they well, doing here? We, but, we got all that anger out of the deadline. Yeah, and or I think like it all, all that got concern, answered. And it's least. like, all right, like we, we can't change. Yeah. We, we can't go backwards. This is what they've chosen. Um, we're going to have to let them cook, right? This is yeah. 
the, you know, this is this is the direction they want to go in. Uh, let's see how it goes. There's no point. Like, I'm not going to sit here and and be like, oh, I want to see them stockpile a ton of draft picks because it's just like that's not realistic that no. doesn't make sense of what they've chosen so you know i'm not gonna advocate for them to do a 180 on what on what what road they're going down so right now at least i'm not you know there there aren't red flags in terms of looking at their approach and being like "Ooh, they're gonna screw this up let's see let's see what happens it felt like for just a a my demise a me quaver there was going to be a full come again here I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that one again. A Hamai Demai Sami Quaver. One sixteenth of a note. That's what it felt like there was going to be a Is full that like a Drance AI auto-generated word? This is probably the longest word of the day we've <laughs> ever had on this show. And I don't think I nailed it. And I probably said it different both times there. But that's don't worry a, about it. That's such a fancy word. Drancer wouldn't wouldn't have even used it. Well, Drancer said this three times in that carpool that we were riding together, and as you know, pops you up serious? here as my word of the day. Said it three times. Just are you ride. serious? You actually used that word in like a casual, like not like, yeah, unironic way. Hundred percent serious. Hundred percent serious. <laughs> Let's do a quick little NHL wrap up here. Um, I, I know that you you actually when I asked you this last night, hey, is there a series you want to talk about? And I was really happy that you told me that it was the Devils and Rangers because I was like, hey, that's the series that I've probably seen the least of. Went back, watched all the highlights of it, saw the back-to-back 5-1 win for the Rangers. Kind of playing with the Devils here a little bit. But that's a good Devils team. I, yeah. Are they out of this series just yet? What do you think? I mean, anytime you're down 2-0 and you've conceded home ice advantage... Like you're pretty screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not in, not impossible to come back. Obviously, the Rangers uh, were two zero, or sorry, the the, the Rangers were two zero up against Tampa in the Eastern Conference Final, and Tampa came back and and won four straight to get into the uh, Stanley Cup Final. So it's not completely over, but man, it's looking rough. And and the biggest sort of difference is we knew about the Devils as sort of inexperience in the playoffs. For me, the question mark wasn't the whole idea of oh they've never been in the playoffs so that like that in it of itself wasn't the concern to me for me the inexperience was a concern in the sense of we don't have a proof of concept for how their game translates to the playoffs yeah because the rangers for example were an inexperienced team last year relatively speaking and they still made it to the final four we weren't as concerned about them i feel like because like when you watch that kid line, they play like a grind it down low yeah, four checking style. Like that's playoff hockey. A lot of these players on this team that I think of, like when I think of Mika Zibanejad, I think big moment player. Like I think he's yeah. a big moment player. I think of what he did in the World Juniors for Sweden. Uh, then you look at listen, Pat Kane, Panera, and Tarasenko. Like they have a crazy lineup. Well, man. yeah, you have Tyler Mott on your fourth line. Jimmy Vc's had a real good comeback year, kind of changing his game a little bit. Their forward group is something special, and that's not even talking about the guy who just won the Norris a couple years ago. And the difference with New Jersey was, like, their young players create off the rush. Mm. They're fast. They're skilled. They gave the Rangers a lot of trouble in the regular season, and that's why I actually figured this might be a, a close series, but you just you had no... Like, they were the most dominant team in the NHL off the rush by basically every metric. Mm-hmm. But when the pl- when the playoffs start, it's a different style of game, right? There's a lot less space to operate with in the neutral zone for whatever reason, and um, and they just like watching that series. Guys like Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Hischier, they haven't had any space to make plays in the neutral zone. Yeah, 
which has sort of stymied their ability to create offense. And you look at, for example, the Florida Panthers last spring as well. After winning the President's Trophy, you look at them, they're one of the most underwhelming teams in the playoffs relative to expectations. Well, they were also the most dominant team in the NHL off the rush. And similar to New Jersey through the first two games of the series, the problem was that Washington... For example, in the first round when they were starting to give the Panthers difficulties, and then obviously the Tampa when they completely obliterated Florida, they had found a way to adapt to, to the way that the Florida created off the rush, set up the neutrals, and accordingly, there was no space. And when that happened, it was like Florida had no plan B. So that's the question for New Jersey now is do they have a plan B? Because if they don't have a plan B for how they're going to create offense, this could be a quick series. It's almost like a, like a football team that can't run the ball. It's like, hey, we're gonna have to throw it. How is the how are the Devils gonna throw it in this one? Right? Like how are they gonna do something different to get that skill in open ice and, and have space? Because you're right, like when, when you take away a rush, and that's what it's, a lot of teams rely upon, especially yeah, you like you mentioned the players, like you know, Jack Hughes, one of the best players in the NHL off the rush right now. You know, Nico Heischer's a good finisher in that position. These these players that you have on the Devils yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch the ball. And this is what I think so much is talked about, about playoff experience. It does mean something because the game is different in the playoffs. It's it's mightily different when you're playing a team potentially seven times in a row and figuring things out and seeing stuff instead of playing a team and then 24 hours later you're you're off playing another team down the road in the NHL. Prepare for that game. The, pre- the preparation behind playoff games is so different to me that I mean, I'm curious to see how they evolve, What's also, if they evolve at all. It's also... A big part of the reason is, for the Rangers, what I've seen is everybody's buying in away from the puck Mm. at a totally different level. Like, Patrick Kane had an outstanding game too, but what stood out to me was how he's hounding the puck, how he was back-checking. I'm like, this is one of the players who in the regular season typically has some of the worst defensive metrics. Playoff playoff version, man. And, right, it's that experience, it's that understanding that, hey, I like really have to buy in, and you look at... Uh, one of the late goals that he scored, it was forcing a turnover in the neutral zone and seeing the way him, seeing the way Tarasenko, um, again, not a defensive guy, a player that you might look at with defensive concerns, buying into that commitment away from the puck. Uh, it's been, it's not just been the gritty 2A guys that are, are committing to slowing the Devils down. It's it's everybody on the roster, and that's one of the, the areas. The new star that just came in, like the former star. That, if you can get a commitment from Patty Kane after a trade coming into the Rangers, whatever they're doing in that locker room is, is good. You what it tell. also shows you, right, like to to throw it back into, okay, well, like what does this mean for the Canucks? What can they learn? That's also the difference between Bruce Boudreau and Rick Tockett hockey hmm. in terms of what you need. I feel like in the first well, half hey, of the season. Regular season success for Bruce Boudreau, lots of that. Playoff success for Bruce Boudreau. Not as much. Well, even in the first half of the season, and, and I don't necessarily mean to blame this on the co- like on the coach. It's just this is what we observed. It's more a reflection of the passage of time, if anything. Uh, for the first half of the season, we saw, oh my god, like these forwards can create, but they don't. It doesn't look like they're giving a crap defensively, and, and that sure. didn't change until Taki came in and was like, "All right, this is this is unacceptable," <laughs> and so that that's a big part of the difference that we saw, and you see it where it's like. If you want to have any level of success in the playoffs, you need that 100% commitment 100% of the time from every player on your roster, no matter how skilled they are. Completely agreed. I think that that is that is experience, right? Where else can you get that from experience? It's professionalism, too. Yeah, professional. Yeah, you can Maturity. buy in and try. You can 
try your, your little heart out. But I think, like, you need to experience it, I feel like, in this moment. Like, you need to experience the playoff hockey to get it. Yeah. I think that's what's difficult for a Canucks team right now is there's a lot of these guys who have not experienced that. And they're going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn from the experience. You might win that first series and get your experience there. But, like, I don't think it's a bad thing for Pod Colson to go down to the AHL and actually get into some important games. Maybe that's a little bit of it. He did that in the KHL. He had a really good run in the KHL playoffs. So, like, he gets it. He gets it. He has to crank his game up. Be curious to see. But that uh, that series, yeah, it's going to be a fun one to follow here. The Rangers are rolling. Uh, I'll quickly wrap up the other series. Toronto, they won 7-2 last night, now tied 1-1 with the Lightning. Uh, the Avalanche had a 3-2 comeback victory last night, and they're tied 1-1 with Seattle, heading down to Seattle. Your buddy, Thomas Drance, my carpool pal, he's heading down to Seattle to watch uh, the first game. Best playoff series yeah, so far. Yeah, so far very good. Uh, I've enjoyed that one as well. A couple of comebacks, and Seattle even taking game one. It's fast and physical, man. That's, see the, that's uh, the best the to kiss last night, too? I know. Did you oh, see the, the different replay on uh, on the second intermission where they actually showed that the guy, uh, so Tanev was blowing the kiss, mm-hmm. and then the guy's wife in the abs jersey was blowing the kiss back? I was yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, poor guy, just like oh, in, I know. In, the abs, hey. um, in the abs uniform. Like, buddy. Like, that's that's a tough look. L's on L's. Um, Vegas ran through Winnipeg in the third period last night. It was a 2-2 game going into the third. Uh, ended up being a 5-2 win for Vegas. And they're heading up to snowy Winnipeg right now with a 1-1 series. The other series that are going on tonight, uh, you got Carolina heading over now to the Islanders' home. They're going to face off against the Islanders. They got a 2-0 lead. Carolina's looking good so far. Uh, Boston heading down to Florida. They got a 1-1 split there. Dallas heading to Minnesota, 1-1 split. And Edmonton. Going down to sunny L.A. Get away from that Edmonton crowd a little bit. 1-1 in that series as well. So a lot of fun things this weekend. There's going to be a lot of different stuff next time we talk on this show. Um, game three, we'll get to odds and ends here and we'll wrap up the show. Uh, game three of the Alspenskin finals went today for Jonathan LeCaramacchi. His team lost in overtime. They lost 2-1, to one, uh, but LeCaramacchi picked up a secondary assist on the power play and their only goal of the night. So continues to produce. Still positive, I think, a lot of it for LeCaramacchi. But they're down 2-1 in the series now. Uh, and we've talked about it a lot during the show. Abbotsford, game two, set for tonight. They have a chance to win the series tonight. And on that note, I don't have the schedule for next week of the show. We'll keep it updated on Twitter. You'll see it here. I'll make sure to have the schedules up early. Uh, if they win on Sunday, we'll be back here on Monday. If they win tonight, we'll be back on Tuesday. We're going to take an extra day there to figure out the whole schedule for the HL playoffs. Uh, and then you know what? You get a week off next week too, Harm. Let's go. Friday, you get your whole Friday to yourself. We will not be here Friday. Um, if we are, it might be quads doing like a post game um, from an Abbotsford game, but we'll see what happens on that. But you are off next Friday. Hell what yeah. What are you going to do with your day? You don't have to get down here. You don't have to get downtown Vancouver, up and down the elevator, all that stuff. You got a whole Friday to yourself. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hear about it on the the weekend. Uh, Anything else you want to get to before we close out here? Anything exciting you're working on that you want to give a shout-out to or Um, anything like that? hmm. Because you're all over the NHL playoffs now. You're a national guy now. Or the NHL playoffs, right? Yeah, although I'm... Still mostly fixating on um, on Canucks, at least for the early parts of the playoffs. Mm. Uh, Got to serve the local local guy, local community hey. here first, especially yep. ahead of a big off season. Um, I mean, there's there are a couple things that I'm that I'm working on that um, I I mean the 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 projects that I'm most excited about. I think uh, I, I think you'll see in a couple weeks. I don't want to reveal quite yet. Okay. Um, but I'm there's like one feature in particular on on JT Miller. I'll just say that uh, I'm I'm really excited to to sort of work on. Awesome. 
Okay, keep an eye out for that athletic. Uh, use promo code something with Harmon and uh, I don't know. Find a promo. <laughs> you no, know, no. You click your article and then subscribe on that. Yeah, right. That's, that's the move. Okay, I get it. Thanks, I get buddy. It. You betcha. All right, we'll wrap things up there. Like I said, you got a week off, so uh, we won't be back here next Friday. If we are, it's going to be a post game with Quads and I just wrapping up an Abbotsford game. Um, so for my co-host Harmon Dial, for our producer Alex Allard, and for myself Chris Faber, don't light up the tank. Light up the eagle's nest. And that is it for another week of the Canucks Conversation. There we go. We out. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.